0: Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta and I am super excited because I was waiting for this interview for a while. I have with me today Jennifer Norman, the founder of the Human Beauty Movement. Um, I'm in love with everything um, that you're doing, Jennifer. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited.
1: thank you so much for inviting me
0: it's such a pleasure to be here to meet all of your wonderful audience members (laughs) I love it yes it's I honestly you know when I was reading um about your like the human beauty movement I was just so inspired just reading about it so I'm so excited for you to share that with us and how you know just you've come to this place um in the beauty industry your whole career so can you tell (laughs) us
1: I'd be delighted to you know I um probably like many of your listeners um, had discovered a love for beauty at a young age. Um, I was probably, you know, in my teens and going through a whole lot of just, you know, trying to figure out who the heck I was, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a what a lot of teenagers do. And I, of course, started to like look through magazines. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of fun. You know, you kind of like, you know, experiment with makeup, experiment with your hair, experiment with your style. And you could, Essentially, transform and change—you know what you look like—and it became a lot of fun. Um, fast forward to um, a time when I, you know, went through college and went through. Um, went through grad school. I actually was recruited by L'Oreal as my very mm-hmm. first um, job after my MBA. And so I got a chance to work at ma- in Manhattan on um, fun things like um, lip color, nail enamel, um, eyeshadows and eyeliners, as well as hair color. And then after that, that really started a 20 plus year career in beauty. I never looked back. I, I really mm-hmm. was like, I found my home. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy this. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, it's amazing how much has changed in beauty over the past twenty years, as far as what was constituted as beautiful before and what is now known to be beautiful today,
0: Mm. and.
1: I think that society has gone through some real magnanimous shifts, um, which has been very exciting to see, but that was not without people recognizing that there were things about the beauty industry, little known to us because we were just kind of doing what we thought sold products, frankly, but you know, looking at the aspiration of what beauty stood for. And so it's the skinniest, tallest beaut, most most unrealistic supermodels that you could find. It was like the Barbie (laughs) doll. It was perfect skin, perfect hair, sexuality. It was like, you know, just like um, very it girl, very of the moment. And then it became, you know, buy this lipstick, no, this season's over, that's so last year, that's so last season, buy this one, and right. it was just this culture of more, 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 faster, 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 and I think that um, consumerism in general, I mean, we're we're kind of waking up to realizing, oh gosh, what have we done, we've created a monster. Right, <laughs>
0: right. and that's, you know, it's led to, I feel like beauty, I, you know, you made such excellent points there, first of all, I mean, honestly, I could not agree more with everything you said. And I think it's interesting um, because I feel like beauty only moves forward when we have this complete saturation of a specific um, market. And I don't, I've never understood why, you know, even growing up watching that, just everything you've um, actually described, you know, like it's, it's it was like that with, you know, foundation. It was like that mm-hmm. with, you know, hair care, everything. So mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Um, I want to actually, I want to talk more about um, just, you know, all, like what really inspired you to start the the human beauty um
1: right, you know, right. there' in starting the human beauty movement i really looked back at everything that I loved about the beauty industry and then everything that I felt could really use a change and, and more progressive change than what had been done in the past. And so in doing so, I felt that the beauty industry was you know, starting to kind of really understand that there were some negatives happening in the marketplace but a lot of companies just were not necessarily ready or able to move on things so quickly. And I'll give you an example there was a there had been many companies where i i just kind of be like oh gosh there are so many wonderful wonderful people really great human beings that are making very bad decisions and they're making mm-hmm. bad decisions because they're beholden to the bottom line and so they may end up shortcutting safety or they may be shortcutting ingredients or they may be making packaging decisions that are cheaper, but not may not necessarily be as safe or good for, you know, for for the consumer or for the environment and and, or or manufacturing because it's cheap, um, but it might not use great labor um, (laughs) in order to make the things. And so but a lot of people are making these decisions because they are being evaluated on how much money that they can make a company and how much profit that they can make a company. And it began to become so unsettling because I kept thinking, it over and over and over again. It really became bothersome to find that you know there there were um, companies and, and you know heads of companies that would say, you know what, gosh, I know that what we're doing is deceptive, but how else are we going to sell this product? Yeah. You know, if we use like these before and after pictures or if or, you know, uh, another company would be like, gosh, you know, I know that it's illegal for us to be manufacturing nail polish in the city of Los Angeles this way. But how else are we going to compete? We're going to do it without permits or Mm -hmm. and it was just like, you know, it really just was a bit bit bothersome on my on my conscience and uh, because I kept seeing it over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking to myself, I really want to do things better. I want to be better. I want to stand for better. The, the the consumer deserves better. The world deserves better. And we just have to kind of hold our own selves accountable for doing the right
0: thing, don't we? And being on the absolutely system. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that that is such a beautiful message that you you're sending here because, you know for me growing up like you know I think beauty for all of us has a very special place in our heart right we all have our mm-hmm. own relationship with beauty and mm-hmm. rather than being the safe space of trust and vulnerability and all these amazing things that we can be it mm-hmm. for a while you know as a consumer it did feel like well I, I gotta buy the new you know best mascara mm-hmm. or I gotta but but it was always like for me personally I don't know if you agree but for me it was always like I want that red lip again, you know, the perfect red lipstick mm-hmm. or I want the perfect nude lipstick. I didn't want all these like, you know what I mean, ridiculous products. So it's like for me it always, I always wondered where the trends even came from. You know what I mean? That was my <laughs> that was my biggest thing and I and I always blamed that because it was like it's almost like the snowball effect that never stops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of stopping and focusing on really, you know, beauty. Real beauty. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do with the human beauty movement
1: was really kind of pull back the veil and really have a very honest and truthful dialogue with consumers to tell them that, you know, beauty for for better or worse is really very ego driven as we know, and we know that what happens when you try to satisfy the ego, the ego is never satisfied, it always wants more. And the thing that we are fulfilling with a lot of consumerism, and have been doing over the past, you know, however many years, fifty years, call it, um, for like industrialization and all of this production that has gone kind of haywire and is creating so much um, damage to, to, you know, mental wellness and to physical wellness and and earth wellness, it's because we are trying to fill holes in our hearts and in our heads and in our minds that cannot be filled externally but we but we're led to believe that the clothes and the makeup and the hairstyle and the validation of other people are going to fix and make us feel better about ourselves, about our ego, but it doesn't. It's kind of like the lottery winners that win all this money, but they're still completely sad and depressed because that's not the key to happiness. The key to happiness is to unlock it within yourself and be happy with yourself and to love yourself. And when you start from a place of self-love and compassion for self, then everything else just becomes window dressing and you can be in control rather than feeling anxious and feeling obsessed and this compulsion to buy 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 buy.
0: Yes. And so,
1: yes. Yeah, and that runs um, counter to what a lot of companies are saying because frankly they're being rewarded
0: when you buy 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 Where buy, have right? You been my whole life like, <laughs> I feel like you're literally taking my brain translating all these thoughts I have confusion. Uh, oh gosh, I could not agree more with you. Seriously, that is so beautiful you said that and I and I think it's important because you know internally like we have to we have to you're right look inwards a lot more Mm -hmm. and that's where the whole self-care aspect comes in right I mean I I Mm -hmm. I feel like beauty kind of took off like this Mm -hmm. train and we just kind of left self-care behind you know Mm -hmm. at some point and now it's like almost as if it's resurfacing again you know what I mean in mainstream media and you know we have a lot more apps now meditation so you know so what do you how do you feel about that like how do you feel about this I really what I'm asking is I feel like self-care is also becoming a trend so how do you feel about that
1: yeah and I think that what is interesting is like for all of the you know the, the negatives that have happened with COVID there are some positives there are some real kind of silver linings to it and one was that I think that it caused us to stop yeah. Stopping was important. Like we, like like almost like the economy shut down. People's work, like it, it, it really kind of abruptly shook us all up and made us rethink the way that we were living. And yeah. so, from that, obviously, there are mental health issues. There is like, okay, what am I going to do to conserve? But it really did shine a light on humanity. And that you know there are a few things that really bind us together, and that is love, and it's health and wellness, and it's what we can do to help support each other. Right? I mean, there have been some brilliant and beautiful stories of our frontline workers, essential workers, like people who are going out of their way to treat, you know, to really help others, which has really been just so heartwarming. um, Because you know, again, we we recognize that you know all of those things that we thought about brand names and labels. A lot of that, as you can probably tell, is like it's starting to diminish in value and it almost seems like it's tone deaf, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah no absolutely uh, that, absolutely yeah. And you know, I think here's the thing. I I love that you are so willing to have these conversations because I think you know, by the way, you know, I think the name is perfect. <laughs> the you know, oh, the you. human beauty movement because it really is a movement and I think it's a movement mm-hmm. towards self-love like you're talking mm-hmm. about and also for me, I know growing up, you know, beauty always brought me more into the present moment. It was, it was a moment for me to like appreciate myself. It was a moment Mm -hmm. for me to look at myself in the mirror. You know, we don't look at ourselves. I've always thought this, we don't look at ourselves in the mirror enough and talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And for me, that growing up, it was a moment where I stopped and looked at Ekta and I thought, you know what I mean? Whatever I thought. And we need to come back to that, you know, the heart of presence or, you know, like just being more you're right like less ego driven and more Mm -hmm. uh, you know just fulfillment driven I guess you know
1: yeah yeah and I will also add to what you're saying is that sometimes when people look in the mirror there it's negative talk unfortunately they're looking at all their flaws and what's wrong and so the more that we can do the ecta which is look at yourself and and give yourself you know just kudos and compliments and you know support. You got this. You, you know, and and there is nobody on earth like you. There is no other you. And and recognize how powerful you are and how beautiful you are. And the more beauty that you can shine on others and the more that you can help others will only help to exponentially increase your own beauty and and uh you know and the good in the world. And so you know I it's very individual by individual. I'm almost going like perfect person by person, which to your point, it is a movement. It's not like I ever feel that this is something that we may achieve in a lifetime, but it's like, you know, wherever we can, we can move individuals so that the whole collective can eventually evolve to a place where there's greater self-love self-worthiness compassion and love of others and then you know that to me is where the real beauty lies and then the other like i said all the other stuff all the products and things that we you know the more that we can help to create more regenerative products and and really kind of respect and think about the earth and its resources and and the ingredients that we're we're putting on our skin and less about kind of like these ego-driven tactics to try to force people to buy because they think that they're not good enough without it you know so like move away from that old thinking that old paradigm needs to just go away and we all need to evolve into butterflies that can be free and just, you know, uh, you know, just like live in a place where we really know ourselves and we really
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's, I love that. I really love that. And, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just restate everything you're saying, because that's exactly <laughs> how I think. No, honestly, everything you're saying. And my biggest question, though, I'm gonna ask you, honestly, you know, um, uh-huh. is this whole, right now, we're, we're really facing an interesting time, I think, in, mm. you know, in history, which I think is always happening. But, you know, mm. uh, right now, we're focusing on a lot of like, you know, just things that needed to be talked about, like racism. Um, mm. You know, we're talking about uh, racism toward Asian-Americans, racism towards mm. Black Americans, you know, anyone of color. And I want to really talk openly about this and how this ties into beauty for us as individuals. So do you want to share your perspective a little bit on that? I mean, you know, um, did that yeah. play in at all with your vision and stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, um, and, and this also is a very personal journey for me, too, because I am a person who was adopted at two years old um, from Korea, and I was raised by a Caucasian family. Um, yeah. And so I grew up looking like I was Asian, but not speaking or not necessarily identifying with Asian culture the way that others would have identified with Asian culture. Um, my mother was British. My father was, you know, American, Caucasian, born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, in New York. Um, However, they also they had three of their own children, Caucasian, and they adopted me and they adopted my sister and brother from Vietnam,
0: who Um,
1: were half Asian and half Caucasian. And so we had this amazing mixed bag of nuts for a family. Um, And so we grew up just really kind of celebrating the fact that, you know, we were different, but it was it was love and compassion that brought us all together. My parents were amazingly compassionate people. And so I never forgot that. But as I was growing up, I recognized how, you know, I was getting teased for the way that I looked and it really injured my self-esteem because I didn't look like the Caucasians that were in my neighborhood or around me. And, you know, people are just ignorant and they, you know, need to power trip. And so they have to make themselves feel better about themselves and make other people feel worse. And. Um, and, uh, I eventually, I married a gentleman who was half black and half Puerto Rican. Yeah. Um, and so we had a son who's a quarter Black, quarter Puerto Rican, a half Korean, and he's disabled. Um, And so like talk about uh, the idea of manifesting the need for diversity appreciation, not only from a race perspective, but also from an ability perspective. And so it became my mission once I recognized, particularly after my son, uh, you know, had difficulty breathing and needed to have a trach in his throat. And so we had tubes coming out of his body. He had a wheelchair. I saw when he had a little bit more of ability when he was younger, how kids would stare. Yeah. And then yeah. I would look at him and I would look at his reaction. I would see my then husband get frisked at the at the airport when no one else around us was getting frisked. You know, yep. it was just like yep. just yeah. just seeing the the you know the things that happen either intentionally or unconsciously that's kind of ingrained in in you know our society and in just our DNA, frankly. I was thinking to myself I really want this to be part of the human beauty movement as well. And that is to have these open conversations about different abilities, about different races, about the, the notion that this is what humankind is. This is what it looks like. We are all different and that is amazing. It's yeah. wonderful. But the thing that um, we, we really have to eradicate is this idea of power over other races or other abilities and this and that again that's ego driven as well as fear we have to really look at ourselves and and retrain ourselves to move away from the fear of others that are different from us and it's yes. not easy because a lot of these things are just ingrained and there's things that have been passed down generation to generation and so again it's a, it's a long conversation but it's it's a conversation that has already started it's one that's come a long way it's taken powerful movements for it to really get to the place where we are now where people can talk about LGBTQ rights, you know, of course, with women Mm -hmm. and, you know, career and God bless, you know, Kamala Harris for, you know, helping to shatter more ceilings for women and in politics and, um, and, you know, just thinking about trans rights, thinking about um, Black Lives Matter. And of course, more recently, what's going on in the Asian American community as a result of misplaced blame for COVID. Um, You know, it's just like, thinking about these things where people, you know, are, are expressing anger, they're expressing animosity, Where is this really born from? It's born out of fear. It's born out of power. And if we can, you know, really commit to each you know our to ourselves individual by individual that we are going to do the work in order to yeah. overcome those things so that we can all live shoulder to shoulder as humans then the world will be a
0: better place and more absolutely oh my gosh absolutely seriously I could I'm going to be able to talk to you for like a lifetime at this point but <laughs> this is nowhere near the end of the episode by the way After, for I, if I listening um, <laughs> no but I completely agree with you and I think the idea of just being human is something that we really have to like, yeah, we've come up with the catchphrase, you know what I mean? But we have to embrace that mentally. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, you're one of the few people I've spoken to that really understand, I feel, I feel like understands, you know what I mean? That really is grasping this concept because I'm not getting, earlier this week, I was having the conversation with a colleague that We were talking about how racism needs to be put into the DSM 5, which is the go to book for all psychiatric disorders. And Mm. we were talking about it because it's like at this point in our evolution as human beings, our minds, like there is no place for racism anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, like, making it a like, it should not be a controversy, it should be treated as a a problem that is stemming from some sort of, you know, we can say environmental, whatever, you know, I'm not going to go into that. But my point is, like, it needs to be addressed in a very, very, like, real way, you know, like, mm-hmm. we can't just sit and talk about it anymore. And just, you know, so it, it, it's very, very, like, you know, important to discuss this. And I love everything you said. And you're a very brave woman, I will say that, you know, and, and very strong, obviously, <laughs> for taking on so much. So,
1: Oh well I appreciate your kind words and it's really when when we recognize that there are issues that are greater than ourselves then it's just something that really creates this um inducement of of the need for action and the need for change yeah and I, I invite everybody to get to that place yeah
0: so I want to ask you Jennifer because I'm very um I'm very interested in, in brands that like launch and then they start like initiatives that, you know, are, I guess, better for the planet and better for everything around us. How do you feel about that? Because I feel like with your, what you're saying here, I mean, everything you're saying is embedded in the root of your cause. You know what I mean? And so when I see this versus somebody else who just picked up a cause and went with it later on, I kind of have a problem with that. You know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. person, because I'm like looking at what you're doing and I'm like, there's no excuse why you can't be doing this. You know what I mean? So how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know there um and it's very interesting that you say that and and recognize it um because sometimes it's more apparent than than other times and and certainly over my career I've definitely come into contact with and have worked for companies that are like Uh, we need to have a goodwill cause because people like that. And it's, you know, they'll have more of an inclination to wanna buy from us because, you know, because we're giving to charity. So which charity should we pick? Um, And it's it's not really born from the soul of the brand. It's more like, let's do this as a marketing tactic or let's just do it as an afterthought. And so, you know, granted, you know, good can come of it in that, you know, if they are truly providing, you know, funds and resources to a charity that and, and helping to make a difference, then then that is good. But the intention, um, unfortunately, is a little bit tainted. And so, you know, and and I'm not like, you know, putting myself on a pedestal or anything, but I do think that for those companies that do think about purpose first, and yeah. mission first and believe that, you know, they, the the role of their company or their brand or whatever they're doing is to make the world a better place or to, to, to you know, help consumers in a specific way. And they're able to align with, um, you know, give back programs or, or something that is really inherently fundamental in terms of being passionate about or something that really kind of is intrinsically, you know, part of the brand. Tom's Jews is one that I, I think is a, is a classic um, example of the one for-one program where you know they pretty much founded themselves on you know we'll make shoes the you know we sell one we give one to you know a child in, in Africa um, right. and it's and it's ingrained in, in the DNA and the culture of the brand at that time so and, and it's meaningful and so yeah. t- to me um, I you know I, I embrace and celebrate, you know brands that really you know put purpose first and mission first, rather than you know thinking about the the way that they can capitalize uh, on right. you know on goodwill or some, or or PR um, afterwards.
0: Now, how do you feel about like research, for example? Because I've proposed this idea before, and I'm always curious how you know people really think about it. Because I think a lot of skincare companies right now. Mm-hmm are putting a lot of like money into things but it's like I've always wondered why don't you put it into like medical research you know what I mean or like something like like our collective cause I guess what is what I'm talking about you know like I just I wonder why that initiative can't be like you know what I mean like what basically expanded to where brands can now say well now I'm going to take real part in this I feel like it just needs to be a you know a concerted effort
1: Interesting. Yeah, um, I can answer that in a couple of different ways. Um, One is that some do use their funds um, in terms of their charitable contributions to uh, to help enable you know, research facilities or, you know, may, it could be for like a cancer related cause or for breast cancer research or, you know, things like that. And so they may not necessarily fundamentally themselves be involved in that research, but they may um, use it as an offshoot to, to um, you know, provide contribution or some sort of um, public good. Um, In other respects, um, it could be that because beauty is not considered a drug, um, and is classified as cosmetic, that um, the research that some uh, companies might be doing might be in from, you know, from an ingredient standpoint to see if it's going to make a, a difference to the skin. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah. And so they'll, they'll certainly be researching molecules or new technologies or ways to make, you know, different ingredients more bioavailable or to make ingredients more stable or to, you know, that sort of thing happens all the time. Um, but the outright um, kind of entrenching a particular brand and tying it to some medical research. You're right, that doesn't often happen and it could be because there is this kind of divide between what you know beauty psychographically is for yeah. Um, yeah. and then what you know that's that um, kind of medical aspect is about. It might seem to be a little bit disparate if it was so heavily enmeshed in, uh, in with the brand so
0: yeah yeah I completely agree I think that's that's an excellent point point. and I you know I urge everyone out there to you know because I, I know a lot of people who, who want to start a skincare line or a beauty mm-hmm. line and it's like it's a beautiful beautiful thing and it's a beautiful thing to want to be an entrepreneur but it's like you know at this point I think every move that we make as humanity has to count and it has to mean something and we just can't be doing the things that are idle anymore you know what I mean and I, mm-hmm. I like I I wonder like If that also ties into saturation, like, how do you, like, how do you feel about that? Like the saturation of the markets, like, you know, like the beauty and skincare, everything like that people are consuming. Like, do you think there is like a solution to it or is it just something we're going to have to live with forever?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. And certainly, I think that it, it it definitely can be answered in two ways. One is that there are a lot of companies and brands and entrepreneurs that are getting into beauty because they see the size of the prize, they see the size of the market. And they're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I want a piece of that. And so they're doing it for for money reasons. Or they think that it's going to be just fun. They don't realize that like, how, how much work is, is really involved in putting together a cosmetics line. Oh boy. It's, it's, it's definitely not what you think when you first come in and uh, you know, and thinking that it's a cakewalk, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of work involved. And so there is a lot of, um, a lot of manufacturing. Um, there there's, there's oversaturation um, of, of products that are me too. And, um, and that don't necessarily contribute so much value to the marketplace. And so you end up kind of devaluing, like, a, you know, a lot of the, the products that are made today in cosmetics. And then there's also this churn that I had mentioned before that we have to kind of stop ourselves from kind of getting into this spiral of just like constantly churning out products for the sake of churning out products and for the sake of new and um, obsoleting old, um, you know, getting to a place place where uh, there's more intention in the design. Um, yeah. There's more meaning and, um, and regeneration in the way things are. And then on the other side is the consumer's responsibility. If the consumer continues to buy, buy, buy at these rates and has shoe boxes filled with stuff in their bathrooms that they're not <laughs> even using because they just are like, you know hoarding them and they just like have this obsession of buying but it's it's kind of like a bit wasteful because they're not even using them then we have to kind of train the consumers to not buy as much and so then the the the, the demand will cause the supply to start kind of edging out. And we also have to start uh, thinking about consumers being more um, intelligent about what they are buying. So not yes. necessarily going for the free or the cheapest or the, you know, the things that are, are um, you know, kind of being too harmful for the planet. We have to really think about voting with our dollars for companies and brands and products that are going to leave the world in a better place than it
0: was yesterday hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. That's, some, yeah, I fully, fully agree with you. And I think that vision and that, you know, that ingenuity, it, it really comes from someone's heart. And I think there's a lot of, you know, the saturation that I see is just like, almost like a, it's like a factory that's, you know what I mean? It's like, you're turning out the same puppet over and over and over again. It's just like, you know, for a consumer, from the consumer standpoint, I find it to be interesting because you're right we are becoming more intelligent but at the same time we're still feeding the monster you know what I mean like we still you know spend our dollars so yeah I think you know we have to just be more thoughtful right so yeah 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 so what's new for the human beauty movement what's you know like what's next what's next
1: yeah, no, I'm really excited that, um, you know, we launched last year, uh, yep. in the middle of COVID, <laughs> it was supposed to launch, uh, like at the beginning. Uh, and unfortunately, everything kind of got shut down. And so I actually scaled back and postponed launch beca- and, and did things in a, in, a, in a quieter, more conservative way, because I wanted to just make sure again, with intention that I wasn't just putting a whole lot of stuff out there that uh, didn't necessarily have receptivity from the market. So um, mm-hmm. this year, year now that I can kind of see that um, that there is acceptance of the brand people are really loving what it stands for and the first product that I put out there has already won an award it's um it's selling it's getting good word of mouth and so very method- congratulations you know, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. very methodically and very intentionally I will be adding um, some additional products to the line and so you know working on that and you know helping to really kind of use this opportunity to get more word out and more awareness out about humanist beauty and um, and all the good that it's that it is doing so that's really what's on the agenda for this year
0: I love it I love it and I wish you nothing but the most success honestly I haven't met I don't think I've met anyone as you know I don't want to I don't know. It's hard for me to find the words. You know what I mean? When someone's really like in (laughs) tune with their being and who they are and like just being a human being, you know what I mean? So I just, I commend you for that. And I, Honestly, I, I will stand behind whatever you do. I can honestly say that as a woman, as, you know, as a person of color, as everything, you know, because I, be- I really want people like you to just really use your voice and do more because that's what matters. You know, this kind of thought matters. Everything else mm-hmm. is like redundant. And it's just like we talked about saturation. So everyone listening, um, I hope you guys agree. And if you don't leave us some comments, some feedback, mm-hmm. let us know if you have any questions for Jennifer's team or, or me or, you know, anything, leave it in the, in the concept art and yeah, we'll, you know, we'll get back to you, but thank you so much, Jennifer. This was amazing.
1: Ekta, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.